All right, I am privileged today to be able to stand here and to preach the Word of God. And we're in this series called Disciple, Be One, Make Many. And today we're going to look at an important aspect of this discipleship process. It's our call that God has given us to make disciples. And we pause this morning and we ask one simple question. If we're, if we're doing that, then what is it that we're giving these disciples? What is it that we are living ourselves? What's our greatest need as one who makes disciples? We have the gospel of Jesus, some may say, that's true. And we have the good news for the entire world to see. And thankfully, that's true. But we and those who we are reaching need to be able to have the ability to know the good news, to know what is good news. We need knowledge. And here's the thing. We just don't need knowledge. We need the right knowledge. We need to know what is truth. And there's a lot of people today in this world that will tell you what truth is. And friends, it ain't truth. (laughs) It's not even close to the truth. We do know that the Bible says that the heavens declare this knowledge even from the heavens themselves. The stars, the sun, the moon all declare the glory of God. And then I don't think there's any doubt at all that we can say that we can't see the wonder of God in human birth. I'm privileged to be a dad of four kids and I was in the room with all of them. And I'll never forget the amazing wonder that I had of God's creation in the form of a child. Uh, That is one of the most precious things I've ever, ever seen is, is then looking in the eyes of my new, our newborn baby right after Cindy had given birth and to see perfection of creation in the smallest of forms made just to be able to do all of what a child does. And it's a gift. I mean, that can't be manufactured by the smartest of people, even though, again, we have people who will tell you that they're, they're going to do that. No, they're not. It's the wonder of God, the knowledge of God seen through a baby. What we need as we look at that and what we need as we look at the skies above us, we need still one more thing. And that one thing we've been given. And that thing is sound doctrine. What do we as disciples need? Sound doctrine. What do those that we're going to reach with the gospel need? The same. Sound doctrine. Now, Danny always would refer to this dear man, and I'm going to do the same. Mr. Webster, 1828 Dictionary. Let's look at what Mr. Webster said doctrine is. In a general sense, whatever is taught, hence a principle or position in any science, whatever is laid down as true by an instructor, or master. Now again, there are many doctrines out there. There's a lot of different kinds of knowledge. If you're a mathematician, then you have to know the, the intricacies of math, maybe even the higher maths, going all the way up uh, beyond geometry, analytical geometry, uh, and beyond that in, into physics perhaps. And then there's chemical knowledge uh, through chemistry that we learn. There's a lot to learn. I didn't do so well in school in chemistry. Mostly because I, 
I didn't yet understand how important it was, and I didn't appreciate it. Plus, I think I had a bad teacher, but that's a different story. <laughs> to know God, to learn of His ways, we, we can't just look in a math book, or we can't just look in a chemistry book. We need to know the source of God. And that's what do- sound doctrine is. At the risk of sounding theological, I'm going to bring a couple of theological terms for you to show you the comparison of them. Number one, orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is right beliefs. That's what we have from the study of Scripture, orthodoxy. And then there's this thing called orthopraxy, which is right conduct or right actions. In short, right living. That's what we get from this thing called sound doctrine. It's a very important thing that we not only know something, but we put it into practice. We live it. That's what we need to do. I've got this little chain, and if you will, I'm going to start at our life and and look backwards at, at how this progression works and where we can trace it all back to the root. Right living is produced by having right behavior. And right behavior is caused by having right convictions. Oh, we need those. And right convictions come from right thinking. And right thinking comes from right knowledge. And right knowledge comes from God's Word. Today's text is going to show us what is the root of right knowledge. So with that lengthy introduction, I'm sorry about that, let's look at our text today, and it's two verses. Our text is comprised of Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. And if you have your Bible, you can read from your Bible, or you have it up on the screen as well. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 from the ESV. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. As we look at this Scripture, as we consider its impact in our hearts, let's pause just for a moment and ask God to make this Word understandable in our hearts and in our minds, that He would bless us. Lord, Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you that your word is the, it, it's the light of our path, Lord. It's the lamp of, unto our feet. It illuminates our mind. And it is the source. Your word is the source of the knowledge we need. So help us today, Lord. Amen. If I were to look back at this text and say, what is the root? If I could look for the root of sound doctrine in this text... What would it be? As I was studying this, these two words just illuminated before my mind. God spoke. If you want to know what right words are, if you want to know what they look like, if you want to know what they sound like, then find what He said. Find what emanated from the mouth of God. God spoke. It's at the very the very root of right knowledge. The most amazing thing to me is this. He's the creator of all things, the sovereign king of the universe, and yet he spoke, not just 
he didn't just speak, he spoke to us. He spoke into the void of heaven, saying, let there be light. And you know what? When God spoke, there was light. When God said, let there be light separated from darkness, the moment he made light, light was separated from darkness. When he spoke to the firmament, and he said, let there be, let there be earth, let there be land, let there be a separation of the heavens, the expanse, and the firmament below, his words, what God spoke, were so real and so powerful It goes beyond any imagination. It all came from his initiative, too. Think about that. No one said, hey, God, wouldn't it be a great idea if we could have this thing called earth? Wouldn't that be awesome? Nope. This came from the heart of God, his initiative. He spoke. I I don't know why. The reasons are unknown. It's mysterious. And without a doubt, it's too wonderful for me to ever understand, I think the truth is breathtaking, and we must never lose the wonder of the fact that one of his motivations we know from the word is the fact that he loves us. For God so loved the world, he loves us. He spoke this world into being, and he ended up making us in his image. He spoke into the void, ex nihilo. If you don't know what that term means, it means out of nothing. Out of nothing. I want you to know that when God speaks, this is stronger. For those of us that are older, we'll get this. Younger, you can look it up on YouTube. There was a commercial years ago about E.F. Hutton. And it was, it was this funny commercial that I've never forgotten. It said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. So there would be this crowded restaurant or a very busy office space. And then all one person needed to say was something like this. Well, I heard from E.F. Hutton that, and suddenly all the noise in the room stopped. And they all began to listen because there might be a a great stock tip that was about ready to have or uh, maybe a right process of how to handle your money. It was about ready to come. Great advice from him. Let me tell you something. He didn't have a light to hold. He didn't didn't even have an approach to make to compare to God. For when God spoke, everything happened. All creation happened. Number two, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The writer to the Hebrews makes a distinct comparison of two covenants. That's what he's getting ready to do in our text today. He starts off by saying, long ago, it almost sounds like Star Wars, doesn't it? Long ago, in another galaxy, you can see the words just kind of going up. Long ago, he spoke. God spoke. We know he spoke. He spoke to the prophets. So that is, in a real sense, what God did and how he spoke then. But the writer to the Hebrews is making a comparison, and we're going to get to the other part of that comparison in a moment. But first of all, let's pause and let's look at what he spoke to the Old Testament. He spoke long ago in many times and in many ways to our fathers. Matthew Henry says this, of the persons by whom God delivered his mind under the Old Testament, They were the prophets, that is, persons chosen of God and qualified by Him for that office of revealing the will of God to men. No man takes this honor to himself 
unless called. And whoever are called of God are qualified by him. It's Matthew Henry. Part of what this verse means in saying in many different times and ways would be the fact that he did speak to these people who were, who were hearing God's prophetic word. and We know the prophets were involved in them, but we also know that God spoke in different eras in the Old Testament, like, like for example, to Abraham, and then to Isaac, and then to Jacob, to the kings, and to the judges. All of the Old Testament was, and I want to say this very emphatically, And all of the Old Testament still is very important in our understanding of sound doctrine. We've got to never think that because we have the new, the old is past. That might make great imagery for song lyrics. But in truth and theology, God did not make a mistake in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was very important. Here are a couple of things. To Adam at the end of the Eden period, God spoke to him the promise of the day when the Messiah would come through the seed of woman. God spoke to David, the king, the worshiper, the man who was after God's own heart, speaking of the fact that the king would emanate from his own house and that his lineage would never lose the king. The king is going to be in the house, David. Oh, man, that's awesome. God spoke to Isaiah with a prophecy that the Messiah would come through a virgin. God did all of these things, spoke all of these wonderful sayings in the Old Testament. And starting with Moses, Moses gave us a recording of these words that God spoke. The first five, if you didn't know this, the first five books of the Bible, was, they were written by Moses, and it's called the Pentateuch. Uh, these are important words. Moses wrote these words under the inspiration of God. The Holy Spirit was active in Moses and guiding him. And that's, that's what it means when we hear the term breathed out by God. These words were breathed out. They were inspired words of God, breathed out through men like Moses. And then not only Moses, but then there were other documents written by, again, some of the prophets we, we know that these things that all of these men wrote out, they were taught in the temple or the tabernacle. They were taught to children by fathers who were doing what God had told them to do in Deuteronomy. Walk by the wayside when you're home, when you're, when you're walking down the path, teach your children well. They were learning what they had then at that point was the equivalent of Scripture. That God had passed down. God had breathed out upon them. These early documents were often written on scrolls and kept and revered God's very handbook for right living. This was the teaching, the record of creation, the explanation of the fall, man's ongoing struggles with sin, the bondage of Egypt, the chronicles of the kings, the people of God, and their eventual captivity in Babylon. All of this, the record of God's ongoing revelation, was recorded and it was read. It was observed. And it all came from the fact that God spoke by the prophets. God gave us words to live by. These teachings of the Scriptures, we refer to that now as the Old Testament. And that is the teaching. Think about this. 
That's the teaching that Jesus quoted. That's, that's what he taught. See how important it was? The Lord himself walking on this earth in those three years of ministry, of public ministry on this earth, quoted the Old Testament time and time again. Always keep in mind that in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. And in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. It's important that we get that in our hearts, that all of these two covenants, both of them, are important. It's it's not just that we have the new, do away with the old. No way. We need it. The writer to the Hebrews goes on and he gives us point three today. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. Aren't you glad? He did. He spoke to us by his son. He spoke to us through Jesus. Some theologians and some of the versions of the Bible would say a better word than by for both of these things, by the prophets and by the son, is the word in. He spoke to us in the prophets and in the Son. However you want to take that, and however the translators saw that little fine point differently, both say that it's all about Jesus. He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus. The writer to Hebrews now jumps in that comparison of two covenants to the second. And This is not just the the story of fulfillment of a promise given in the Old Testament. It's much more than that. It's not just the story of what God spoke to Adam coming to truth, coming to light. But in this word, we have the promise of a Messiah and the actual ushering in of this new age, the gospel age. And that's the age that we are still living in today. In In those other times... But in these last days, we're in the last days. You and I are still in the last days. The first century church, in the economy of God and in his timetable, they were in the last days. In a real sense, the way the writer wrote these words reveals that there was in Jesus, with Jesus now being on the earth, there was still an ongoing revelation that was happening. And we know that the words of Jesus as he taught were going to be recorded That's what those red letters, friends, are in your Bible. The words of Jesus is is now being added in this new covenant and in this new uh, guide for living, in the new set of scriptures. God breathed out book. What would later be described as the inspired word of God was still under construction with Jesus. And during the first century, as Jesus walked on the earth and paved the way for his disciples to learn and to grow and to pass on to other men. You see, that form of disciples, that's what Jesus did. That's where that term that we're talking about for this series comes from. He told us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Make disciples. Make them. Work with them. Help them. Teach them. Pass on to other men and women who are being called to faith in God. The writer uses this image of last days speaking of his son, who was the begotten of the father. These last times, again, were gospel-filled times. Not just going to be great news, but it's going to be the most unimaginable 
news. We can't get our brains around it. We try. We preach it every Sunday. But the Bible says that we're going to go through eternity. And still the glories of God are going to be unveiled for us. We're never, friends, going to get it all. Not even in heaven. We'll never exhaust. Oh, God, I know everything about. No, God is infinitely more than we can ever imagine. These words spoken by Jesus, the Son, and through the writers of the New Testament, after that first period was over in the the early church, there came a point where the Lord began to say, enough now, and we close the book of New Revelation. The words of the New Testament writers, the words captured by Jesus, added to those wondrous words of the Old Testament. And our early fathers declared that we now have the book, the canon, completed, shut down. Man, that was through God. How cool that is. Jesus, the supreme and most excellent messenger could have, that there could have ever been. You know what? He came. He came. He came for us. And we have the story of that. And you know, this is really cool because starting next Sunday and through Christmas, we're going to be studying that fact that He came. It's called the Advent series, the Advent season that we are in. Speaking of the first coming of the Lord, we're going to be studying that. We hear that. That's what's being preached. I want you to realize that every Sunday morning, sound doctrine, God spoke words, are what we preach, are what you hear from Chris and Shane and and the rest of us that are privileged to speak. What we heard for years from Danny as he led this church from its beginning days. The ESV study Bible says this, since God has spoken finally and fully in the Son, The New Testament fully reports and interprets this supreme revelation once the New Testament is given. Once it is written, the canon of Scripture is complete. No new books are needed to explain what God has done through the Son. Finally, rounding out our text today, the writer to the Hebrews speaks of the Son in two marvelous ways. Descriptions that could only belong to Jesus. No one else could ever fit these two phrases. No one but the Son of God. They are solely the property of Jesus, the Christ. First one is, whom He appointed the heir of all things. This is the Father God passing an inheritance on to His begotten Son, the one who left the splendors of heaven in order to be veiled in flesh, to be born as a baby, creator becoming creation. Oh, what a story. All in order that he would live that sinless life, something that is impossible for the rest of us, something that we will, with all of our best efforts, fall far short But He came. God spoke for there to be the will of the Father to give His only begotten Son to live. Why is that so important? 
Because he rescued us. The son came to save us. The son came to be a sacrificial lamb. One who was not guilty would take upon himself the guilt of the world. What does it mean then when Jesus was appointed heir of all things? I want you to understand something. If you've seen uh, the coronations in England, the most recent with now King Charles, when you look at the old footage of when his mother was crowned, all of the pomp, all of the circumstance, all of the glory that goes into that earthly coronation, it doesn't compare to what happened when the Son of Man came and was resurrected and God declared that our sin was imputed upon him and the wrath that we deserved was met by him. I tell you, I believe holy angels were on the edge of their seats watching that marvelous thing happen. The son of of the king of kings, the, the father of all, being given by his father. It was a supreme action. It was literally breathtaking in scope. Matthew Henry again said this, as God, he was equal to the father, but as God man and mediator, he was appointed by the father to be the heir of all things, the sovereign Lord of all, the absolute disposer, director, and governor of all persons and of all things. All power in heaven and earth is given to him. All judgment is committed to him. Wow. And then that second thing, and the last of our text today, Jesus was not only made and declared to be the heir of all things, but this phrase about him was also spoken, through whom also he created the world. Again, That's a phrase that could only be attributed to Jesus. We know that from Scripture, Jesus was with the Father from the very foundation of the world. You can study that in John chapter 17. Paul wrote to the Colossians and he said this about Jesus who was there. He said, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Boy, I tell you what, when you think about the descriptors of Jesus, can you imagine in today's world if He were on LinkedIn, what kind of resume this this Jesus had. It's amazing. He created the world, folks. All things that are you see, the solar systems, the planets, the fact that the sun is going to be rising for us in the morning, and the fact that we have seasons. Well, in Florida, we kind of have seasons, but we have seasons. It's cooler this morning. Some of you are wearing sock hats. Some of you wear sock hats not because it's cold, because it's cool. And I'm not speaking from a thermal position on that. It's very cool. 
I want you to see the importance of these truths. Jesus has been appointed heir of all things. It was through Jesus that the world was made, created. It is by Jesus that all things hold together. If it weren't for the Lord, this world would start spinning and go off into outer space someplace. I, I don't know how he does it, but it's perfect. But if you start studying astronomy, if you start, uh, 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 the, uh, not astronomy, uh, the, yeah, the study of the planets and the stars, if you start realizing the, the way things work on a cycle and the way math is used by our scientists who are able to say, yeah, there's going to be an asteroid that's coming, and they're able to predict that. How can they do that? You know why they can do that? It's because God has this thing down to a science. And friends, that's one science that we can believe. Believe the science because it's about Jesus. He spoke the word. What is sound doctrine? Why do we need it in our lives today? Simply stated, we need it because God spoke it. God spoke it to us. He spoke to us the truth, truth that has been articulated to us through the inspiration of God, by the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. He opened our minds to to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Sound doctrine is not just a set of rules and regulations. I know there are people who are sitting in this room who grew up under legalism, and I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry that there were those that made like what the Pharisees were doing, that took the words of Jesus but added to those words human regulations and thoughts and equated, if you will, those practices with the word of God that God spoke. And Jesus looked at him and he said, when you do that, when you mix that, you make it, you make it null and void. I mean, you, you, you can't do that. You can't teach that way. We have to have words that God spoke. We have to know that. So when you look at this, the new pages, the pages that God gave us through the New Testament... We know that that revelation again came to an end and we have this thing now that we hold. We take it for granted. Some of us, like myself, I own, I don't know how many copies of the Bible, but a bunch of them. We have in our hands the reason why we need to study it. We have in our hands the words that if we do study it, we'll learn. And we have in our hands not only something that we'll learn, but something that we can put into practice, into our life. And if we do that, here's the amazing thing. The power of sound doctrine, the power of the Word of God changes our hearts. And we become more like the Bible. You know, I was, I was raised in a church. I'm grateful that I was raised in a church. But there are aspects about my, my bringing that I later came to see my need to leave that church. And, and that it wasn't because the people weren't nice. They were very nice. But the doctrine that was taught there, I, I found was not what I needed. It was not what was right according to my study of the Word. There was a conflict. 
You know, and, and it's important for you parents that are here to realize that every Sunday morning in this church, we're teaching what we believe are the right words, and we've studied it. And this is where Paul would even say, if, if you find something in the Word that's not what I'm teaching, speak up. Study to show yourselves approved. We need to be understanding that this is important. So I had this dilemma in my life, and I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was under the mistaken impression that because I believed in Jesus and that I'd given my heart to Jesus as a young man, I believed everybody believed the way I believed. How foolish I was. I thought that my doctrine was everybody's doctrine, and that's, that's really what it's like, right? If you go to a church, I mean, aren't all church? If you've seen one church, you've seen them all, right? Wrong. Wrong. That's wrong. So I had a couple of really incredible things that, that happened to me. Number one, as a young man, I was in a Sunday night service, and a man stood up on our pulpit, and he was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. But he proceeded to, to say, I don't need the Word of God, because I have living and dwelling in me the, the Holy Spirit, who is leading me and guiding me. I don't need the Scriptures. Now, I was a young man, but I heard that, and I thought, that ain't right. That ain't right. There's something really wrong. And then later, we had a group come to our church, uh, a well-known contemporary Christian band called the Archers. And Tim Archer and I struck up a friendship, and we spent a lot of time together. They were in our area often. We would get together. We would talk. And one day out of the blue, he challenged me. He goes, Mike, you're a great guy. Your doctrine is messed up. I was bothered by that. I met Cindy. Cindy was a part of a church that was different than my church. I was still going to my church when I met her. Her dad was an Assembly of God pastor. And why to this day he let me, number one, date his daughter, I will never know. Why he let me marry his daughter is beyond belief. But he did. And he told me that he believed that God, he did it because he believed that God was, was doing something in my life. Now that's a kind of fatherly um, releasing of his daughter that I don't know that I would have been able to have done. I had a high standard, just ask Chris. He has stories that I'm sure he's already told you. <laughs> and we'll still hear them again, right? For those of you that may not know, this, the lead pastor of this church is my son-in-law, and I couldn't be more proud of him. I couldn't be more proud of him. So my father-in-law challenged me. And I realized that uh, you know, there's something going on. So it, it launched me into a study. And then we, we took a trip to Florida. And in the back seat of a car driven by Danny and Melody, Cindy and I were in the back seat. I, I was telling him the woes of my life, and Danny said, Well, yeah, your doctrine's messed up. <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, he, it was like everyone that I loved, everyone that I had come to trust 
all, all the way back to that first word from Tim Archer, was pointing me in a direction that I knew my life had to change. I, I needed sound doctrine. I needed the, the whole word of God in my life. I needed it. I, 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 I didn't know how badly I needed it, but I did. Sound doctrine, you see, if you are studying it and you're doing that thing of orthopraxy, here's what it's going to do. It's going to change you. It will make you miserable where you are. It will make you unable to continue on the path that you're walking. Orthodoxy should lead to orthopraxy. We've got to see that. We've got to have it. We've got to have both of us. Sound doctrine causes us to see how to obey God more faithfully. Brings us into the knowledge of the Savior and His expressed will for our lives. Sound doctrine conforms us through the renewal of our minds, allowing us to grow more in our likeness to the Savior, the Son of God. Sound doctrine, listen to this, opens the way for our hearts to know the joy and freedom found in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that sound doctrine is not stuffy. Sound doctrine is not boring. Sound doctrine is not irrelevant. Oh, just the opposite. When you get into the Word of God, that's when you find the good stuff. That is the secret sauce to our life together. Sound doctrine is the joy of the Lord. Sound doctrine is the lightness in our spirit. Sound doctrine is the comfort to our hearts when you're going through things like what Tom and Debbie have been going through with their grandchild. Were it not for sound doctrine, where would we be? In our family, we've been praying. It looked like our grandson Shepherd in Texas uh, was very sick this week, had a very serious seizure out of the out of just the blue. And they, they started to test him for meningitis. I tell you what, if it weren't for sound doctrine in moments like that, where we can come and we can trust and we remember the words of Jesus. And let's not forget that Jesus told his disciples who were all brokenhearted and they were all sad because the Lord had told them that he was going to leave them and they just couldn't bear it. But he gave them this promise. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come and it's going to be for your good that I go away because you're going to have the Holy Spirit who's going to remind you of my words. He's going to bring back to your remembrance every word that I've spoken. That was for their good, and it's for good. As we live our lives as believers, we strive to obey the Lord, while we also work to make disciples whose lives must be, should be, like ours, rooted in sound doctrine. And when we do that, we're going to see the Scriptures that emphasize our need in daily life to follow this command given to us in the Word. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. We need to do that. I want to encourage all families here to use even this very week
On Thursday, most of us will be gathering around a table for a dinner. It might be lunch, it might be dinner. It could be breakfast, I'm not sure. Whatever your family does. Or consider doing this. When you're driving down the road, taking your son or your daughter to school, instead of just using that to listen to the radio or, or, or to say nothing to them while they're listening uh, to maybe some music, consider capturing that time and begin to talk over sound doctrine to your kids. Bring up a conversation around the dinner table at night. And you could use verses like these. I'm going to put these up. These are some of the verses that we can talk about with our kids, with our families. Number one, from 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, that which makes up the canon, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul also wrote to Timothy and he said this in chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That's all the time, friends. That's, that's all the time. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound, doc, sound teaching. I think we're there. I think we might be there. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And then finally, to Titus. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach what is full, what matches, what is comprised from, drawn out of. Teach sound doctrine. That's our charge. That's my charge as a dad. That's my charge as an individual guiding even what I allow happen in my own life. That's the charge given to the leaders of this church, the pastors who speak on Sundays. That's the charge given to our teachers in TruthQuest. That's the charge given to every community group leader and ministry leader in this church. Watch our life. Watch our doctrine closely because it matters. God wants us to be full of sound doctrine. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you allow this word to grab into our hearts, that it will drop deep into our, the soil of our minds and our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we will always remember that the essence of sound doctrine, the reason we have it, is because God spoke. We can trust what God spoke. And that's what sound doctrine is. In Jesus' name.